Welcome to Suspending the Rules, Bloomberg Government's weekly look at what's happening in Congress. Financial services and consumer protection are on the agenda in Congress this week as the House tees up a bill to reinvigorate the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau following Trump administration changes to the agency that Democrats say are drastic and severe. This is Suspending the Rules from Bloomberg Government. I'm Adam Taylor. And I'm Danielle Parnas. With Memorial Day weekend coming up, the House is also scheduled to take up a number of non-controversial veterans' bills, including measures to increase access to counseling at vet centers, providing a cost-of-living adjustment for disabled veterans, and looking at ways to reduce veteran suicides. Those will be taken up under the procedure this podcast is named for, suspension of the rules. There are also some foreign affairs bills on the suspension agenda that would expand reporting on international adoptions, require federal agencies to work toward improving internet access in developing countries, and increase the standards for restrooms at refugee camps. This episode, however, will focus on the financial services bill that will likely split the House largely along party lines. The Consumers First Act would undo the Trump administration's recent changes at the CFPB, which was established by the Dodd-Frank Act to oversee home mortgages, payday loans, student loans, and more. Back in the studio with us to break this bill down is legislative analyst Michael Smallberg. Thanks for having me. The CFPB's existence, more than other agencies, seems like an ongoing debate whether it should even be here, almost a decade after Dodd-Frank became law. Michael, can you give us some background on the agency and why is that controversy still persisting? Yeah, the CFPB is probably one of the most controversial agencies uh, in the federal government, even a decade after it was first created. Um, But to understand why, let's go back um, to its creation and explain why Democrats put this agency in place to begin with. Um, It was the brainchild uh, of Elizabeth Warren back from her time uh, as a law professor. She was concerned that a lot of American consumers were taking on too much debt and were getting basically taken advantage of with products like predatory loans that had confusing terms and often locked consumers Uh, into these deals where they had to go through mandatory arbitration and couldn't file any class action lawsuits to, to correct these issues. You know, you have the Consumer Product Safety Commission that protects consumers from things like easy bake ovens that explode. But there was really no one single agency in place to protect consumers from loans that had exploding interest rates that could harm them. So that was really the the genesis of this agency. And over the years, the CFPB has taken um, enforcement actions against Wall Street banks, mortgage lenders, uh, payday lenders, credit rating companies. Um, They've returned more than $12 billion to consumers who were harmed. Um, And they've also issued a lot of regulations um, on payday loans in other areas. A lot of those are, are intended to make companies disclose more information to consumers so consumers understand the risks of the products uh, that they're taking out loans on. Uh, but so why do Republicans hate it? They feel like this was really um, a rogue agency uh, under Richard Cordray, who was the first director um, appointed by President Obama. Dodd-Frank gave the CFPB pretty wide authority to crack down on anything it determined to be sort of an unfair, deceptive, or abusive practice. And Republicans feel like Cordray really took with that took that authority and ran with it, and in some cases even exceeded his mandate under Dodd-Frank. Uh, they felt like the CFPB was cutting off access to a lot of financial products that lower-income Americans rely on, especially when they don't have access to credit cards, the traditional banking system. And they also have complaints about how the CFPB is structured. Um, it's housed within the Federal Reserve 
it's funded through transfers from the Fed. So Congress doesn't provide any funding through discretionary appropriations. There's a single director uh, as opposed to a multi-member commission. Um, and there's no dedicated inspector general overseeing uh, the CFPB. So once Trump took office, Republicans were in a position to actually do something about the CFPB. In, in Trump's case, he was able to name his own uh, official to lead the agency. Uh, Which was were, controversial in and of itself. There was some controversy. Cordray appointed um, his own successor. Trump named uh, Mick Mulvaney, who at the time was the, the OMB director. As it turned out, Mulvaney and Trump basically won out, and, and Mulvaney became the acting director of the CFPB for about a year. He he came in when Cordray stepped down to run for um, the governor of Ohio. And so that's when um, some of these changes occurred that this bill that's coming up this week would target. So let's get into some of those specifics um, when you know, former acting director Mick Mulvaney was in charge. He's now the acting White House chief of staff. So what what, are, what were some of those issues? So um, this bill goes through really a laundry list of, of complaints that Democrats have with Mulvaney's tenure. Um, one issue that they say is that he took away um, enforcement powers from a, a, an office that deals with fair lending, trying to stop discrimination and lending practices. Uh, he basically took those powers away and he brought the office under the director. There's that, also that coincided with a major reduction in the number of enforcement actions that the agency brought as well, right? Yeah. So there's been a quantitative, you know, discernible drop in enforcement actions. There were 11 in 2018 compared with an annual average of 44 cases uh, in the previous three years. He also dropped cases against payday lenders uh, and he um, stopped supervisions that were used to determine whether lenders were taking advantage of service members. Now, in many cases, Mulvaney defended these actions. He said he was just trying to keep the CFPB within the explicit uh, limits of the Dodd-Frank Act trying to reduce costs. Uh, Democrats said that in many ways he was undermining both the letter and the spirit of Dodd-Frank, and he was really sort of a fox in the hen house. So this bill would, um, you know, on the enforcement side, it would basically stop any future CFPB directors from reorganizing um, that fair lending office and other offices. The director couldn't take away certain powers from that fair lending office, so it would still be able to enforce laws like the Equal Credit Opportunity Act. Uh, The director would also have to make sure that enforcement and supervision offices have enough staff to carry out their work. Uh, In some cases, Mulvaney basically stopped hiring more career staffers and actually put in a lot of his own political appointees side by side with those, this, with those career staffers to make sure he could influence how those offices operated. Another target of the bill is what was the CFPB's Students and Young Consumers Office, which Mulvaney moved into a broader financial education office. Why did he make that move, and, and what would the bill do to undo it? So he defended this move as basically just a paper change, just sort of a minor kind of bureaucratic reshuffling. Um, but Democrats and consumer advocates saw this uh, as a blow to efforts to hold student loan companies and servicers accountable. Uh, this office had been been involved in the CFPB's lawsuit against Navi the student loan servicer, uh, for allegedly putting student borrowers in repayment plans that stopped them from accessing all the benefits and protections that were available to them. In fact, there was an ombudsman, a student loan ombudsman at the CFPB, who quit uh, and issued a resignation letter where he said that the CFPB really had turned its back on on consumers and students. Uh, There was one case where the education department said it would stop sharing information with the CFPB on student loans. And according to this former ombudsman, the CFPB leaders basically folded to political pressure and let that agreement fall by the wayside. So this bill would restore that student office as a standalone unit 
and the office would have to make a formal agreement with the education department and other agencies so they could coordinate their work uh, on behalf of student loan borrowers. What else is um, in this bill? I know, you know, there's one interesting thing in there um, about the name of whether it's CFPB or BCFP. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, Democrats this and Republicans is really where the rubber meets the world. <laughs> cannot even agree on the name of this agency. So the, as the story goes, on one of Mulvaney's first days in office, he he sat in there with his aides. They took out a copy of Dodd-Frank and were going through it. And at one point, he stopped and exclaimed, wait a minute, there's no such thing as the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. The Dodd-Frank Act refers to it as the Bureau of Consumer Financial Protection. So he directed uh, all of his staff and the agency to start referring to it as the BC, uh, sorry, BCFP. That's right. Uh, <laughs> get, get your letter straight. But in other words, he took the consumers out of the top billing. Uh, this would have, you know, cost hundreds of millions of dollars to redo the logo and, and all the letterhead and everything. The current director has since scaled that action back. But that's sort of symbolic of, of the fight that's gone on here. Uh, there are other issues that this bill would address. One of the things the CFPB does is it has a consumer complaint database where um, consumers can actually file complaints about certain products or services. Uh, Mulvaney threatened to be basically take some of the, the public descriptions within those complaints um, away from the public's view. You know, he said Dodd-Frank didn't require him to run a Yelp for consumer financial services companies. Um, so this bill would make sure that that database does remain publicly available. Um, there was also an issue, issue with advisory boards. The CFPB, for example, had a consumer advisory board. There's a little disagreement over what happened, but those board members said at one point Mulvaney basically kicked them off, replaced them with other members, told them that they couldn't reapply to serve on the board. And he also slashed the number of members who served on that panel. So this bill would require the director to appoint at least 25 members to that consumer advisory board. At least two-thirds of them would have to, to represent consumers. And those previous members could continue serving. One of the things that caught my eye was the, the cost-benefit analysis requirements in, in the bill. I know Director or Mulvaney, when he was the acting director, had his staff come up with more cost-benefit analysis so that they could scuttle rules potentially that would increase costs on, on businesses was the, the logic. What would the bill do to push back on that? And why do Democrats want to push back on that? The bill would require that any sort of, you know, standalone office dealing with cost benefits has to consider not just the costs to companies, but also the potential benefits um, to consumers that they would gain from the CFPB's actions. Which I guess makes sense if you're looking at a cost benefit analysis to, to look at both sides, I guess. Yeah, and, and that is a requirement within Dodd-Frank for when the, the CFPB carries out its regulations, it has to do that, that kind of cost benefit analysis, as many agencies do. Um, but of course, this is one way that Republicans often try to, to stop rules from going into place is by highlighting the, the cost side of the equation. So, you know, the, those are a lot of the, the ways that this bill would, would try to, to reverse the changes that Mulvaney put in place. Um, this bill really has no chance of becoming law anytime soon. The president's probably not going to sign a measure that's an explicit rebuke uh, of his acting chief of staff. Um, this is really more of a, of a political messaging bill, something Democrats can use on the campaign trail to show they're standing up for consumers. Um, but this could also kind of lead to an interesting issue. If Democrats do take the White House and Congress in 2020, um, the current Trump appointee, Kathy Craninger, uh, who took office in December 2018, um, can serve for as long as five years. So there's a chance that she could continue serving once Democrats are in control. So this might give some clue as to what Democrats in Congress could do to kind of force her hand if she's still in power 
when they take over. Um, and if this really also over. if they take over if they take over yeah, a big if of course. But this also gets into a, a bigger challenge for both parties, which is that the CFPB and other agencies, other financial regulatory agencies, were set up to be independent from political and congressional pressure which, you know, from the Democrats' perspective worked well when, when an Obama appointee was in office. But now that a Trump appointee is in there, obviously they're coming up with some challenges here and trying to exert uh, pressure on this agency uh, and make it carry out the goals that they want this agency to achieve. Bloomberg government subscribers can find Michael's analysis of this bill and a lot more at BGov.com. Thanks, Michael. That's it for us. We'll be back for a Recess Week episode after Memorial Day. Thank you for listening to Suspending the Rules. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Find more on the subjects we discussed today and a whole lot more from Bloomberg government at about.begov.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at BGov. The legislative analyst team is Sarah Babbage, Noreen Chowdhury, Danielle Parnas, Michael Smallberg, and me, Adam Taylor. Our editor is Adam Shank. Nico Anzalata is our sound engineer. Our theme music is Home Organ by Zach Nasita. More information on that can be found at premiumbeat.com. Hey, I'm Adam Allington. I'm the host of a new show from Bloomberg Environment called The Business of Bees. Here's what you need to know about it. We travel around the country talking to people at every corner of the honeybee ecosystem. This is the largest managed pollination event on Earth. In fact, commercial beekeeping is more important to farming than ever before. But bees are also under threat from pesticides and invasive pests and mysterious diseases. It's sort of like Christmas when you go to the hive in December and you open the lid. You just hope somebody's home. If you're interested in bees, too, I think you might like the show. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts.